0: Good morning Today we're moving on, beginning davening So, as we know, if you open the sitter up There's Modani, which hopefully we'll discuss on Thursday appropriate, right? But uh, the next thing that comes up is Adon Yigdal, Matobus. Matovus, we mentioned last week, we'll just briefly mention it again today And then it's Adon Olam and Yigdal Now if you look at the sources, the sources I brought down Were not a Shulfanarach, not a Rammah Telling us when we're supposed to say Adon and Yigdal I didn't bring down any other sources Sources other than the fact, other than the actual text of the prayer The reason for that is Because you look at Shulchan Aruch If you look at the Ramah There's no mention of saying Adon Alam or Yigdal So what I wanted to figure out is Why do we say Adon Alam? Why do we say Yigdal? We also know there are other times throughout the week and year We say Adon Alam Yigdal On Friday night we seem to say Yigdal On Yom Tif, at the end of David, We say Adon Alam what the source for that is? Why do we say? Why do we why interchange them? What, what exactly is going on? So I'll be, tell you from the outset. I have very few answers. There's very little written about the source of these Minhagim. Although we'll see that some go back a couple hundred years. There's very little about this. But we'll try to do the best we can. So again, every sitter, Svar Ashkenaz, has a Don Alum. The Mata Moshe, who is from the 1500s, he writes the author of Don Alum was um, Rav Haigon which is, makes it very, very early, however we, we the general consensus is it wasn't Rav Haigon the general consensus is it was of Ibn Gavriel who was a very fascinating figure one of the early, early Rishonim kind of like in that liminal period between Rishonim and, and, uh, and Gaonim he was a philosopher, he got involved a little bit, I guess you can call it Kabbalah if you want to know more about him, you can go to Stanford's uh, Encyclopedia of Philosophy you can read a lot about his philosophy so he was also a poet, wrote many, many poems, and he's probably the author. The Matamosh, as well as Rehuda Chassid say though, those who say Adon Alam, it's a segula to uh, that your davening will be, uh, will be answered, that will be a successful davening. So I want to come back to this idea it's a segula, but that's probably why it ended up in the beginning of the Siddur, because of this uh, idea that it's a segula for your davening. The Arizal was opposed to saying Adon Alam because he said that Rav Shomu Ibn Gabriel was not a real Kabbalist. He was a philosopher, take, too much taken by philosophy and the rational uh, ideas, and therefore it, it, uh, it, it created impurities in his Kabbalah. So I read said not to say. I'll see he said the same thing by Yigdal as well. But we'll, we'll leave that as it is. It's a beautiful poem. It's a beautiful poem. If you ever, if you go through, you can look through it quickly. It's basically, where's, what? I just want to think about an uh, Ibn Gabriel. He's like, blah, 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 blah. One source credits Ibn Gabriel with creating a golem. Possibly female for household chores. Exactly. That's kind of uh, a fun fact about him. Fun fact about Okay. So I don't know if you look at it. It's actually broken up. the beginning of it, talks about God kind of like almost just God, almost describing what God's power is on a meta. And then as you go through it, it kind of becomes more individualistic. I don't know. Master of the universe who reigned before any creature was created. Again, we're saying this is God, very important. God has always been around. At the time when all was made, his will then his name proclaimed king. And after all things shall cease to be, he will still reign. Meaning that God is very all powerful, but also not contingent upon this world. So why exactly are we saying this? Adon Alam? We'll go through some of the more of the verses as we go through. So the Khidah says as follows. The Khidah writes that for Pesuket Zimra. Why do we say Pesuket Zimra? Davening, if, as we know, the Rabbim says davening, the obligation to David is to say a little bit of praise of God Say a little bit, uh, uh, a little ask, and thank God. What's the idea of de So Chidaz says that Pesuket de as you go through those verses in, in, the, in Tehillim, it's supposed to set the tone for davening We'll discuss more Pesuket de when we get there, but it's supposed to set the tone for, for Yurus Hashem, fear of God Thinking about God, almost so that we can go in David. In fact, the Hasidim write that if you do Pesuket de correctly so then you put yourself in the right mindset, and then you can speed through the rest of Davide because then no, nothing will, will get in the way. You'll have perfect havana. We have Charles. So we have Charles exactly because he's a, he's he's the quintessential Chassid. Always late. All right, the um the Rabbi Schwab builds in that, and he says therefore if you think if you look at the words, there's a difference. There are different ways we refer to God, and both in this both in this uh, verse. We refer to God as a Melech, a king. We refer to God as an Adon, a master. What's the difference between a Melech and an Adon? A Melech is, we think about it, someone who rules a country. Someone who's involved in the runnings of the country, how the country's going to operate. Not necessarily think of the individual, but rather think of the individual as a phenomena. That the country has to run, and we're going to run this country. It's a ruler, it's a king, it's, much, it's more distant. An Adon is when we refer to someone who's a master. A slave refers to their master as the Adon. The Golem referred to the or Shibadim as an Adon. It's an Adon. A master, is a, it's a much more intimate relationship. It's, yeah, there's a hierarchy, but the master is very much concerned and cared and knows about the individual. So when we open up Adon Olam, Schwab says we're referring to God as the Adon, this master, a much more intimate sort of rulership over here, as if to say that this is not just we're not just praying to this you know, this God who's out all the way out there who runs the world who's who's beyond us who's you no know, who's you no know, omnivis- and, and omnipotent but we're praying to a God who's also omnibeneficent, who knows what's going on who cares about us who wants to do good for us in a way what we're doing is setting the stage saying we're about to daven don't just think God is this you know, we're just praying to God because we have to because God rules the world but also because God knows what's best for us and we have that very personal relationships so we're setting the stage for that daven which again. If you to go back to what we said a minute ago about the segula, perhaps when we say that we segula, it's a school. Your, your prayers be answered, it means, it means to say it sets the stage, it sets the tone for a, a davening that's going to uh, be successful, where we're in the right mindset. In fact, we mentioned, we mentioned lastly, Matovu, Rav Kook says the idea behind Matovu is we mentioned Matovu Haleche Yaakov, Mishkanesech Yisrael. We open that as well, he says that's also setting in the t- t- tone for davening, because oftentimes when, when Davins you think you're kind of going to be, you know, the, uh, another realm, you're removing yourself from this world, you're, you're all the way out there. But he says, We invoke purposely Yaakov and Yisrael. Yisrael is the more spiritual, lofty, ambitious uh, name, whereas Yaakov is the, the one who's, Yoshua Olam, is the one who is the, um, who's sitting in the tents, who's involved in this world. And the Kook Cook wants to say, We kind of want to tether ourselves. Before you get to David and you think you're removing yourself from this world, you're going to the Olamos, the other world, Yaakov. We're, we're, just set the stage, set the tone. Then Adon Olam, we're talking about a master who's very present. Uh, Rav Hirsch writes in his Siddur that we say, we say, um, Vuh Kehli. So he, his word, he says, Vuh Kali? Kehli Shali. He's our God, my God. Again, a very personal connection, which we're trying to accentuate and emphasize as we enter into Davening. And then our first points out. Afterwards, we say, but then we point out that this relationship. Don't think we're so great that if we don't exist, God doesn't exist. God's not a king. God doesn't need us. That once, the, if the world, when the world ceases to be, God will still be here, totally independent of us. Which again setting the stage: very personal connection, but also recognition of the hierarchy and. Where, what are places? Kind of like saying you know, a little bit of you know humility before we get da, begin davening, which again is also very important. If you enter into davening with too much hubris, it won't be successful davening because you kind of thinks magially what, what I'm asking for I deserve. But davening takes a profound humility, a to recognize you don't necessarily deserve it, but also as the Reb always pointed out, the key to davening is recognizing our dependence on God and that's why even he says that so much of davening is asking God for things because by asking God we recognize we're dependent when we're dependent we ask it becomes this, this cycle and lastly I saw this idea where Leibowitz brought that in the Sefer from the Confayona I don't know who he was and he says as follows that the Gemara tells us until Avraham came around we ne- no one ever referred to God as Adon a master again what's the significance of that? So, when you think about it, what is Adon, as we just said? It's this very intimate relationship. You're the master who cares, who knows, who wants to do what's best for me. Before Avram, everyone kind of thought of God as this, again, more lofty uh, uh, being. Avram said, no, you're also very personal. So, we opened Avon up with Adon, but the actual connection is that we know the Gemara and Brachas tells us that there were three three of the day. Shachar is min are connected the Avos. The Avos were the ones who established them. Avram created chakras. Yitzhak created Mincha. Yaakov created Mariv. So perhaps what we're doing is the way Avram created chakras, we're invoking Avraham, who created chakras, by starting out with Adon, the way Avram addressed God. So the Confiona the said this, and apparently the Gra, when he read the Confiona, he already he said that. He goes, it was worth reading this whole book just for this one insight. So that is, that's the nutshell of the Don not Again, it's, it's a really beautiful prayer. I, I encourage all of you to kind of to go through it when you have some time. Just read it carefully and you realize just how beautiful it is. You know, we end off with, you know, ki Kidruchi, also interesting. And, you know, within, you, I entr- within your hand, I entrust my spirit. We also and Marv off that way. It's in, it's in, in Marv as well, in Baruch Hashem. So we start the day and we end the day saying to God, I'm placing my hand in your spirit, my life is totally yours. As Ray Sachs was once asked, you know, Ray, as we, Ray Sachs passed away tragically from cancer. He was 72 years old, but it wasn't his first bout with cancer. I believe he had cancer two or three times prior to that. So someone asked him why he doesn't talk about it. He writes about everything, why did he never write about it? So he said, truthfully, he said, I don't think it's as much of a story. He said, I he goes, he said his, father, his father had a very simple faith. His father was not a religious man, and, and he, but he had a very had a profound but simple faith. And his father taught him this idea of biyado of kidruhi. That God knows what's best. God will take you when your time is to go, and just place your soul in God's hand, and everything will be okay. So we said, "Do I have a lot to still teach the world? Yes. Do I have a lot to still give to the world. Yes. Do I have a, uh, is there time I want to spend with my family? Yes. But ultimately, we I've made peace with the fact that my soul is in God's hands. Every morning, God gives it back to me, and we say done alam. And every night, God takes it away. And if God, whatever God chooses, that's what's best. Me, we I believe as well when Rivaim Lichtenstein went in the, in the ambulance for the last time, he was muttering something, and someone went close to him and heard him. That whole time, he just kept on saying over and over again, I place my soul in your hands, and God, you know what's best for me. So that's how we end off Adon Olam, and that's also how we begin the day. So that's Adon Olam. Again, the um, why do we say begin of davening? Therefore, it's setting the stage for davening. It's setting the stage for davening. What the source for saying it is, the Mata Moshe quotes, it says, it's a school up, which I think is set the, the stage, but again, there's not so many sources for it. For a, uh, <coughs> so I, I didn't have time to look that up, but I did have time to look up Yigdall. 15th century? Well, the Mata Moshe was 15th century. The Mata Moshe was 15th century. So Yigdall, interestingly, isn't just going to be, as we know, the next one. Yigdal is actually going to be... There's a lot of controversy surrounding Yigdal, whether well, you should say it, who authored it, if, that, if, that, if, that, if that's going to have an uh, implication for if you should say it. So what's Yigdal? We know the Rambam. The Rambam has these Yud Gimli Karim, these 13 core principles of belief. Those he, we find in Mesech the Sanhedrin. The, 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 the Mishnah says, Every Jew has a portion in the world to come. Comes along the Rambam and goes, Well, not so fast, not so fast. You have to believe in these 13 beliefs. He then goes and details them. Those were, th- th- those were summarized in what we know as the Animamans. Animam was not written by the Rambam. That was written by someone else. And then, it's, it's a summary. If you want to see the full thing in le- uh, its entirety, you have to actually look at the Rambam. We have on the, on the shelf a book called... Uh, by Faith Alone? No. It's called With, With True Belief by Rabbi Bleich, where he, has a, he translates it all. Um, then Yigdal, it's an anonymous poem, also fairly early. Where we take we again you further summarize it into a poem. This is actually quite common. There are many people who took these thirteen core principles and put them into poetry, like Anyam and like Yigdal. So that's Yigdal. And if you go through it, I'm gonna go through it together, you'll see how these principles play out. So if you look at the, uh, the sources, Yigdal oakem chai, vjustabafm savianeoso. The first principle is God exists. And that's what we're saying, God exists. Next is God is one, unity of God. He's one, there's no unity like his, which we discussed, I believe, last year, when we discussed this around now, that God's unity isn't like numbers. One is still one of, we're implying there could be a two or three or four. God is the like sui generis unity that's just, it's beyond numbers. It's beyond numbers. Three is God's incorporality, as in God does not have any sort of, any sort of physical Features everything as we know. If you look at Mor the beginning of Mor is literally going through every time the Torah seems to give some sort of anthropomorphic imagery of God. The Ram's like, no, oh, really. What it means is it's an analogy for X, Y, or Z. So, Ain lo demuz lo Again, he has no corporal being, he has no body. Four is the eternity of God. Also invoked in on God exists existed before the world. God exists after the world. God is always there. God is also unchanging. Okay. Five, which is, okay, we'll leave that there. Five is, He's the master of every creature, proclaim His greatness and His majesty. So if you look at the Rambam, the Rambam's fifth principle is, We only pray to God alone. If you look in the way it's brought down here, it's, He's the master of all, so pray to Him. So some got very upset at this. They're like, There's no mention here that you can, only, you, you can pray to only God. It just, it just implies, pray to God. So some wanted to say, we can't say this because it's, this, is, uh, this is lacking. People are going to get the wrong impression. Although you can also argue, sometimes in poetry, you know, we're a little bit more brief. But yeah, this was actually one of the reasons why people did not want to say Adon alum, because the fifth principle is only pray to God, and they're just saying prayer in general. Okay, six is the, the, the idea of prophecy. By the way, these are also grouped in groups of three. Um, it, it's the first three are going to be the first four are going to be God being is God's just describing God again. God is all, all powerful, almighty, all knowing, etc. Next four are, gonna, are going to be the idea that we have this connection to God again, whether it's through worship, whether it's through prophecy. Number seven is Moshe was the greatest of prophets, which is a very important because our entire tradition comes from Moshe. And if you can say there was a prophet who's going to be greater than Moshe, we're essentially saying is if something can supersede Moshe, so then we no longer have to listen to Moshe, and that, that gets rid of all of the Torah. The Torah is predicated on Moshe's belief. So, <laughs> knowing Rose to be as great as Moshe. Number eight is the divine revelation of the Torah. Number nine is the immutability of the Torah. As in the Torah is unchanged, the Torah we have now is the same Torah in principles as Rose given. <laughs> okay, and, the, and then the last, the last uh, group are going to be then God's... Relationship to man, so God knows next the thoughts of all deeds, and God knows everything. This is where the hashkacha comes in and divine um, providence. How, however, you want to. If, if, if we're talking about the Rambam, we have to be true to the Rambam. It didn't exist in every individual necessarily. Um, number eleven is idea of Onish reward and punishment. Number twelve is Mashiach, right? That's we you know an and Mashiach. That's number twelve. Number thirteen is the resurrection of the dead, tchias Mesa. So that's what we're saying there. Now, again, there was a lot of controversy about should we say Yigdao? Why is that? So, number one is we don't know who the author is. Oftentimes, if you look at poetry, if you think back to well, Yom Nurayim, poets will put their name in the acrostic somewhere. That, that doesn't exist in Yigdao. It probably doesn't exist in Yigdao. The meaning, however, is to say it. So I want to say, that, although we're going to go through a number of objections now, I don't know anyone who doesn't say it. Right? Has anyone been here somewhere where people don't say Yigdal? Everyone knows to say it. What is it? The Christians. the Christians as well have a yeah. Yigdal with their own tune. With their, yeah, they, they, if, you go on, if you go on the Wikipedia page, you'll see the. the, the there you go. The, the, the Christians have their own Yigdal as well, which is interesting. Yeah. Like, they yeah, they're going. You know, the Christians have their own one. It's it's that ubiquitous. Even the Christians are saying, excellent. Yeah, yeah. you can look it up. So I found that. I I did a little research, Dan Rabinowitz in Sfarum blog, he said as follows. He said that he was once in a, in a house minion. He's the guy, I forgot where he lives. He writes a lot in this farm blog. And it was the first week of the house minion, and they got to the end of diving Friday night, and he goes, Yigdal, and people said, No, Yigdal, they got into a whole fight, and finally they did a vote. They didn't end up saying Yigdal, and one of the people who voted against it said, Yeah, we're not a young Israel minion, we don't want this modern stuff saying Yigdal at the end of on Friday night. So the same thing happened to him a couple years later when he moved. So he did some research because it turns out Yigdal is not necessarily it's not a modern young Israel thing, but in fact he writes that um, in the Hertz Sitter, which is Rabbi Chief Joseph uh, Chief Rabbi Joseph Hertz, that's the English the British equivalent of our Birnbaum. So he says that in 1722 he found Yigdal in Friday night service. So okay, a couple hundred years old. Dan Rabinowitz went back to the to, to one of these um, one of these projects where you can get a lot, a lot of these sidurim are scanned in. And he said that he found that earliest edition was 1486. So it's going back pretty far. It's going back pretty far. Again, in the course of history, it's modern, but it's not a modern, you know, American thing. But it goes back pretty far, and that's what he said. Um, but what are the objections to saying... What did he say? What are the objections to saying, Yigdal in general? Sir so Yaakov Emden writes that people might walk away with the false impression that there are only 13 core principles of belief, where in fact, you know, the whole Torah we have to believe in. So again, I'm not going to go down this route, but I'm just saying he's opening a can of worms, give me a second, and the can of worms really is, what was the Rambam trying to accomplish when he wrote his 13 principles in general? There's only 13, are there more? Why did the Rambam choose these 13? It's a whole whole other can of worms. Um, Is he trying to say, is he trying to minimize the Rambam's emphasis on, on 13 principles, that really there are more? It's complicated, but the fact is, the Rambam did write 13. So to start saying, the Rambam wrote 13, but then maybe we shouldn't say people to get the wrong impression. Again, when the Rambam wrote it, the, this, these same claims were leveled against him. The now writes a book, Roshamunim, where he goes through and says, like, what, are, what are you doing, Rambam? So this is not a new claim. It could be. It could have one possibility. I sort of Cook wrote this, was the Gemara says that initially part of davening was the Aseris HaDibros. And the Gemara says, we, we remove the Aseris HaDibros from davening because people started getting the false impression that these are the only 10 important things and the rest of the Torah is not important. So it could be, it's something like more of like, again, yes, there are 13 principles, and there are, 10, there are these 10 uh, these ten Bros. Uh, but when you put it into davening, and the, you know, the hamonam, the regular people, and individuals, start reading it, they'll get the false impression, so in order to remove it from them, we'll kind of leave it in the academy and out of the regular davening. Could be that, but again, it's a little difficult, yeah. So that, I, I know, the Rehaka of doesn't, which is part of the problem, because, although it could be, again... Okay, fine, you can argue about the... the placement. The one, the five, right? No, but I, it could be the placement of it, meaning, again, that when you put it in actual davening, so then, you know, we have to be concerned the Amaretz is going to come along and read it and have a false impression, and the davening, who's saying the uh, Animam to end the davening? Raise your hand if you say Animam end the davening. All right, we're all Amoratsim, so we're good. Could be, I'm just. I, I don't. Think I don't think it's the strongest of. Oh, you'll see. I'm going to have a number of objections, but we're, n- none of them are really going to hold up. Oh, okay, there is another claim that the author was Emmanuel of Rome, who was a poet, wrote a lot of poetry. Why is it him? So he's, again, I think it's quite tenuous. But if you look at the line Taurus M S Nason Li Amokel, some say no. It's he's he's putting his name in there, Li Emmanuel. So who was he? You're looking him up. He was not, not the simplest of characters. He wrote a book of poetry including some very risque poems to the extent that the Shulchan Aruch quotes it and says some of the things you shouldn't be reading are the poems of Emmanuel. So if he's the author, we, uh... No. Others claim he was of Shlomei ibn Gabriel, same author as Adon Alam. It's, it's not totally clear. There are a number of, uh, you know, you, can, you see probably... probably I think like yeah, that... Yechiel and Baruch, who was one of the Balei There's a number, of, a, number of, a number of different authors. Is that common, that you see the words? I don't know so much about uh, Pismonium and Krovitzim and all that. I do know, I think it's a little... There's, there's a reason why we still say author unidentified. The, um, the last objection. So again, objection number one was, we don't want to just emphasize... Well, two. Number one was... The, the, the idea that the, the way that they formulated Sphilo is a little off. Number two was, Rabbi we 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 want to kind of stay away from accentuating and emphasizing the 13 principles in Daviding. Number three was, if it was a manual, we shouldn't be saying it. Number four comes from the Rav. So the Rav writes, I'm going to quote it from Abshachter. He wrote this in an article called Save Ikvi Hatzon. It was an article written when the partnership in Yadin first started. Um, he had a, and a number of other issues. He wrote a very Strong article about his halachic objection to many of these principles, which may not necessarily find you know, necessarily find the objection in the Shulchan Ard itself. So he writes as follows: There is a prohibition to follow in the ways of the non-Jews. What that means, you know, Thanksgiving coming, we can discuss it then. But he says part of that is. <laughs> So we're familiar with the principle of Akam, following the ways of non-Jews. We've discussed, we discussed even last year. Certain things we're not allowed to do because they do. He says there's a separate prohibition, that is to worship in the way they worship. We have our own unique way of worshiping. To worship in the way they worship is a problem, and that can even extend, perhaps, to the way in which our shuls are configured. How much, again, obviously the architecture is always a, pre, is, is always a thing of the times, so I don't want to go down that route, but he says as follows. He says there is a special prohibition of mixed seating. What's that problem with mixed seating? He said that's because that's where that come from. Why are we suddenly getting into mixed seating? It's in the 18th century because that's we looked at. The, we looked at, the, they looked at what the, the, the non-Jews were doing in, in Berlin, in Germany. We want to be like them. That's a problem. He says we with fun of Klapia. For the shliach Tiber to face the congregation when he davens, that too, where did that come from? Look at the history books. That also emerged when the Catholics started doing it. If you remember last year, uh, Shavuos night, we discussed a number of these issues. Um, he says, <speaking> in <Hebrew> Interestingly, he says that the Rav, Rabbi Salvagic, thought there were some shoals that had the Bima facing the congregation. So the Davin would face. Oh, face Mizrah but for the beam of uh, uh, the face, face otherwise. Well, part of part of um, of is sorry. Part of part of, of the is is, is, is barhu, which we also discussed last year. For the Rav, Baruch was is part of Tefilah. So much so that Raisalvichik said, if someone, let's say, there was a practice missed minion or a minion did not say Torah, so afterwards they go in lane separate from davening, they should say the Kaddish to Ska'el afterwards. Because there's, there's an element of tefillah to that as well. Okay, next he says, this one you'll see is a, creates some uh, issues. <speaking in Spanish> stained glass windows. Where did that originate from? All the churches. Now, everything, every show in the world has stained glass windows. It happens to be, I think there's a legitimate discussion to be had, and I think Steve Fine in his book on synagogues has this, that architecture always is going to be, follow the contemporary norms. So where do you draw the line on that? And is stained glass windows architecture is not architecture? What do you say? Like Similar to clothing, exactly. I, I think that's the argument that's going to have there. Stained glass windows by nature are just an art form. They're not- That's what I'm trying to say. That's what we're saying, although- <laughs> Although the Rav, I don't know the history of stained glass windows. You can look it up on Wikipedia. It could be though that was a very Catholic thing. That would that would make sense. It would make sense the way. In fact, we're depicting biblical scenes like it would make sense. Again, everyone does it. I don't know. I, I, I hardly a show in the world that's an established show that doesn't have stained glass windows. All right? If you're a shetival minion in your house, you probably don't have a stained glass window. But uh, every established show has it. Okay, fine. The take the way that they could dress. Fine. Then he says as follows. The Arizal was against saying Yigdal By the way, if the Shulman Ibn Gabriel was the same author as Yigdal he's against the for the same reason Because perhaps the reason is as follows What's the shemati B'Shem Rabbeinu So Rav R- says, I heard from the Rav His issue was, saying Yigdal is is following the ways that the non-Jews davening. Why? had catechisms. They, the Catholics say their catechisms. They, they, they after da, after their daven, they profess their faith. They go through their their, their faith, they go their principles of faith. Because so suddenly the Jews are like, oh, after our daven, we have to start saying our principles of faith. Because that is chukasakum. We're just, if they do it, we want to do it too, and therefore the rub was against it. There's no need to go and say it. Yes, we believe in it, of course, but to say it after David, we're kind of emulating the ways of the, of the non-Jews, and that was Rabbi Salvatik's objection. So to sum it up, there were a number of objections, but I think every shul says it. Why do we switch off Adon Alam Yigdal? I couldn't for the life of me find anything. I looked in the Sifrim ben from Daniel Sperber, nothing. I looked in a bunch of Sifrim ben nothing. I used Google, nothing. So I have no idea why we switch off Adon Alam Yigdal. It's an old practice. We say it Friday night. I don't either know why we say it Friday night, but that's what it's done. That's what it, that, that that's the practice. But certainly, say in the morning, as the beginning of tefillah, we should come a little early or come on time so we can say it because we're setting the stage for tefillah. Whether it's matovu, we talk about trying to ground ourselves, Alam, recognizing God's God's all powerfulness, but also no, omnipotence, uh, omnipotence, but also His um, His omnipotence, the fact that He has His personal relationship with us, adon shelias refrashed, and yigdal. I guess we're saying we're setting the stage, these are the core beliefs that we believe in. You know, it's kind of like we have the belief, we also have the theology behind it, and that's the idea behind it. I wish you all a wonderful week.